0: This episode of Star Wars Year by Podcast is also available in enhanced visual form at youtube.com forward slash steel wars. The direct link is in the show notes. Treat those eyes. Click it. Hey, you guys, and welcome to Star Wars Year by Podcast, where we. Drift through Star Wars history while perusing the beloved pages of the Star Wars year-by-year book. We do this through the support of the patrons from the Blue Harvest and Steel Wars podcast as we join forces like Wu-Tang, like Voltron, it is I and my co-host... Horse Burkhart, how you doing,
1: buddy? I'm pretty good, buddy. How are you?
0: Protect your neck, horse Protect I do my best. Your neck. Good advice for any age, I believe. But uh, hey, how you doing, buddy? I'm all right. Hey, I got to tell you, mm-hmm. I've um, I've previewed. We are up to 1981. These are some golden Star Wars years.
1: Oh, there's some good stuff coming up in, say, the next four pages or so.
0: Some top-notch... It it is crazy just seeing, like, one image of something just jolts back, like, a a flood of childhood memories.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and there's two... uh, Maybe two of my favourite also wins coming up as
0: well. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Lava Good also in. Oh, there is. Oh, my God. The one on the next page is all time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So if you are new to the podcast, this is a, uh, a patron-exclusive pod, but every three episodes, which is this is episode number 15, we post up on the free feed of both our pods to uh, entertain and, of course, garner interest. In our Patreon efforts for uh, just $3 a month on either Blue Harvest or Seal Wars, you can hear this and all our back episodes from each of our independent patrons, because you've got tons of uh, bonus shows, as do I.
1: Lots of uh, fancy bonus shenanigans going on on either side of the podcasting pond here. Shenanigans.
0: Oh, that's what I was going to say. The also-ins, for those that are new, they are, like, the, the book goes through things sort of chronologically through the months of each year. But then with stuff they don't quite know where it, where it fitted in, they do an also-in. Because the info, more often than not, is too juicy to leave out of the book.
1: Yeah. It's a good Yeah, stuff. and for any of our sickos, our oh. neens, if you will, page 94. That's where we're kicking off today.
0: (laughs) Shout out to our sickos. 1981. After Empire exceeds critical and financial expectations, many speculate whether Frank Oz might be nominated for industry awards for his performance as Yoda. Yoda, if you will. (laughs) Yoda. (laughs) However, the Screen Actors Guild dismisses the possibility because it does not regard puppeteers as actors. Meanwhile, Lucas searches for a new director for his next Star Wars movie, Revenge of the Jedi. This reads like a Star Wars crawl.
1: Yes, it does.
0: (laughs) Meanwhile. Frank Oz's (laughs) accolades are missing.
1: Hey, so this kind of reminds me of something that came up sort of recently recently. Um, that I just sort of browsed over, was there some kind of exception made maybe in the Emmys or the Golden Globes that would allow Pedro Pascal to be nominated even though he was in costume and frankly probably not all that much in that costume in the first season?
0: No, they came up with a rule that made it so he couldn't be nominated.
1: Oh, it was the other
0: way around. I believe so. But he wasn't even nominated. Like he wasn't even getting put up for it, but they just went, "Hey, before you start any of this uh what do they call it, in consideration or whatever?" Right. Um it is funny with those um awards how they just nominate everyone they can. Like like they nominated Kelly Marie Tran for best supporting actress in The Rise of Skywalker. A, that, that is a shotgun approach at best. Uh, yeah. Yeah, hey, I guess... Um, I'm just going to shut my window. Okay.
1: Little yard work going on in Steel's neck of the woods.
0: All right, I'm back. There's just a... That's way better. A leaf blower. Ah. <clears throat>
1: You, uh, when I was a kid, my dad got a leaf blower, and I was very disappointed to find out that it didn't suck the leaves in instead of, instead of blowing you think I would know, given the name, but in my mind, I thought it would suck the leaves in, kind of like, uh, like a proton pack. Or, I was imagining this being like a proton pack from Ghostbusters.
0: Dude, you are my brother from a different mother. Disgusted.
1: Really? Ha, awesome.
0: What? Suck them up. Yeah. Th- th- just get rid of them. All you're doing is moving where you're going to have to pick them up from. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's like brooms. Nah. <laughs> no buys.
1: Straight, Vacuum cleaner.
0: Straight to the vac. That has
1: to exist, right? They have to have leaf suckers by 2020. That has to be technology that we can get our hands on.
0: Well, we can reverse, put the batteries in backwards or something. (laughs) All right. Well, hopefully we won't hear too much leaf blowing from now on. But if you do, it's, um, you know, it's podcasting. It's all part of the adventure. Uh, I love this uh, quote from Mark Hamill Name the top-billed actor in the first and third highest-grossing movies of all time. It's me, but even my fa- family guesses wrong. My cousin said Richard Dreyfus.
1: <laughs> that is a Mark Hamill as hell quote right there, isn't it? It is, it is
0: fairly Hamill. Um, I immediately when I read that, I thought it must have been Nathan, and it's like, I don't think he's citing um, Richard Dreyfus' as box office appeal. <laughs> At yeah, age three or something like that. Now, Hawes, yes, this sir. isn't a uh, a Star Wars related um, pop culture tidbit, but uh, run us through January twenty first. It's a uh, it's, it's it's worth mentioning.
1: The first DeLorean DMC twelve sports car rolls out of the factory in Dunmurray, Northern Ireland. Conceived by American engineer and automobile executive John DeLorean, their gull vehicle vehicle's body is paneled in brushed stainless steel.
0: The DeLorean is the Millennium Falcon of cars.
1: It is. It is so cool.
0: Ever, uh, ever, ever stepped in one horse? No, I've been around
1: a lot. Like, you know, you go to a con and inevitably there's going to be like a little car show there where someone has one decked out like the Back to the Future DeLorean. So I've been close to one, but I've never sat in one. Not that comfy. What's the fanciest car you've ever sat in?
0: I think a Maserati.
1: That would be, I know this story, that's Jim Jefferies' Maserati. Yes. Yeah.
0: Too fancy for me.
1: I have a hell of a memory, Steel Saunders. Wow.
0: it's incredible. I, I couldn't even remember whose Maserati it was. So many, so many fast cars <laughs> that I've studied. That's That's um, what I'm into. But, um, yeah, the DeLorean, man. that That is one iconic sci-fi shape.
1: Yeah, those doors, man. Those gold-wing doors are so cool.
0: Have you seen that movie about him? No, like the true life story or whatever? Yeah, it's like fairly recent, I feel like. mm I have it hmm, Apparently, not much of a dude. That was my impression. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. A lot of the imagery on this page is from the hallowed pages of Mad Magazine. You've got... Um, the Empire Strikes Back Mad Magazine cover with Alfred E. Newman as Yoda.
1: Real good. And then...
0: No, I have the, to say, Hawes, you know how sometimes, a lot of the times, like Star Wars fans are like too proud? Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of feel like this is stepping over the line.
1: Oh, you think that one is it? Wow. Yeah. That, that
0: does it for you? You don't belittle Yoda's character in, in, in such a way. bit like, respect the Jedi Master. All right. Hey, look. You're leaving any whoopee cushions down in his cave. As,
1: as a man who has held a lifelong grudge against uh, Spaceballs, I, I can't hate on you for it.
0: Okay. Good. I'm glad I drove them out of business. Yeah. Um, But Mad Magazine 220 features the satire, The Empire Strikes Out. So bad it's good. (laughs) After Lucasfilm's attorneys threaten a lawsuit, my, have times changed... Mad replies with a copy of a fan letter that they received from George Lucas himself, who praises the artist Mort Drucker and writer Dick DeBartolo as the Leonardo da Vinci and George Bernard Shaw of satire. I wonder when he wrote that letter.
1: That's what I was kind of wondering. Is this like a, a fan letter from years before? Or is this post-Star Wars
0: release? Well, even <clears throat> post-American Graffiti. Like, mm-hmm. like what I really want to know is, did they just go back and find his letter? Or when they got the letter, it's like, oh, hey, this is from George Lucas.
1: We should hold on to those.
0: Yeah. Because <clears throat> I Man. feel like in this day and age, with everything being digital, that'd be far easier. Yeah, it's like, uh, have you ever seen that picture
1: from, I believe it's from a uh, fan letters column from an uh, issue of Fantastic Four that has George R. R. Martin, the no. author of the, yeah, when he was a kid, he wrote in a fan letter to Fantastic Four. Uh,
0: um, well, that could be, it. it could have been that they actually published the letter. Right. And then some fan has gone back and said, hey, this is George Lucas.
1: Man, that's crazy in the pre internet age.
0: Yeah. But I those those mad magazines. You you you'd go back and I remember I used to just like like how I'm doing a lost rewatch. Mm-hmm. I I remember when I was little, I'd do a mad re read. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'd just start chronologically from the start of my collection and just start again and read it all and all and all. And as you got older you understood more of the cartoons.
1: Yeah. Hey uh so they've got a picture here, right? And it's, you know, our uh, most of our heroes besides Luke from Empire Strikes Back. You got Han, Leia, Luke, or not Luke, Chewie, C three PO, R two uh, D two, Spock. Who are the other two? And why is there a penguin? Is the penguin like a a precursor to the Porg in this?
0: <laughs> no, the penguins because they're on Hoth. Oh oh okay. I, I so they're making it. fun of Duh. the snow planet. <laughs> Fair enough. I tell you who's in it and that's um I can't remember her name. But she's like the the quasi cult famous headset operator in the rebel base. She actually got she got an action figure when they were just putting out everyone. Oh um like, tell Fenn, dog. Or... Right. Uh, who is that? But she, she's there behind Spock. She sure is.
1: I missed that. Right below whoever that guy with the glasses and the beard
0: is. Well, it says in the little caption here, only cartoon- mm. cartoonist Mort Ducker knows if that is Lucas in the background. It does look quite Lucasy. If yeah. after Star Wars he <clears throat> stopped making movies and grew his beard. Yeah.
1: I could see that being George for sure.
0: I like that the art of um, this, like, you know, like Chewbacca and Han Solo and, and Princess Leia, they're all, you know, they're all exaggerated pictures. But when the artist goes to draw R2, D2, and C-3PO, they're just going for, like, movie perfect. Yeah, they're so good, right? Like, like they're not... They're they're, going to show their... (laughs) Like, if I'm having... If I get to draw R2, D2, and C-3PO, I'm going to kill it. Like, Marvel (laughs) Comics is going to be ringing me, sending me a telegram. How funny is it that... Like, as this whole sort of big movie franchise and then satire industry is, you know, establishing the rules that they tried to sue, like, you know, looking at how it's evolved into pop culture and so many sitcoms have done parody episodes and and references and stuff.
1: I mean, if, if this was a viable lawsuit, Family Guy would have ended after, like, three episodes.
0: All right. Well, it's not all good.
1: (laughs) And you have to imagine that that's just an overzealous legal team at Lucasfilm, right? That didn't come down from George himself, I'm sure.
0: No. It feels like the way it's written, it was sort of done without George's knowledge. Right. And then it's like, hey, man.
1: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: We are down. There's a new team for the comic strip February 9th. Writer Archie Goodwin and artist Al Williamson begin their run on the Star Wars comic strip, which Russ Manning must abandon after he is diagnosed with cancer. To avoid continuity problems with the upcoming Revenge of the Jedi, Goodwin and Williamson set their stories after Star Wars and before Empire Strikes Back. Smart
1: move. EUing it up. Mm hmm. Yeah, they. Uh, a tactic that Marvel Comics would adopt, you know.
0: To 25 that, years later, yeah, to 35 years day, later. 40 years later, yeah. I believe it is. Um, yeah, very much so. What is
1: this? It's so small, the comic strip. It's hard to read. I was trying to do the same thing.
0: Yeah, it's kind of the first one is just introducing the concept of like between the explosions of the Death Star and the, and the moment that the evil galactic empire struck back on the ice planet of Hoth. Many adventures befell the star warriors of the Rebel Alliance. This is one of them. That is so rad. Yeah,
1: it's kind of like a a comic strip version of a crawl almost.
0: Yeah, but imagine if you're a little kid, and I I guess this this would come out every day in the newspaper, and just Uh, like going... Monday through Friday, yeah. Yeah, just like going, Come on, Tuesday! Come (laughs) on! Please! Oh my god, that would be such fun. That'd be such a fun little um, hobby to cut them out and and stick them Mm -hmm. in a little binder, and, and then be able to read. Like, how sweet would it be to like after a year? I used to
1: do that as a kid with like Garfield comics, but it wasn't the same thing, right? It was they weren't serialized like this.
0: Well, I think we talked about this on one of the last episodes. How I do. A read through of all my He-Man comics that came with mm-hmm. the the figures, and I'd try to work out like what order they were meant to be in. But then right. there was um like um oh what do you call it uh, like paradoxes in the story mm-hmm. where you know it'd be like He-Man, Man at Arms, and Ram Man, and then they'd meet Mechanic. But then in another book, it would be like Mechanic Man-at-Arms, and He-Man, and they would meet ram Man for the first time. And it's like, this this does not check out,
1: guys. <laughs> um, you know they're doing that like new line of He-Man figures? I think they're called Origins or whatever? Yep, yep. And I've seen a couple of people get their hands on the He-Man and Skeletor this week. Apparently they've gone up for order a couple of times and sold out really quickly. And one of, like, the toy accounts I follow on Twitter was posting them, and they posted all these incredible shots of, like, the packaging and the figures themselves and only posted the cover of the mini-comic that came with them. Like, I wanted to see so much more of what that mini-comic has going on. (laughs) Like, the figures are really cool, but for some reason, that mini-comic really has me excited.
0: I... It is my dream for them, whether it's in like a streaming service, live action or animated, just for someone to do a reimagined Masters of the Universe universe and make it just connect really good and have smart storylines. And then I can enjoy that. It would be so dope.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that happens. You know, we got two different animated series coming, maybe a movie at some point. Hopefully one of those really lands and is awesome.
0: Like, The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But on Eternia.
1: The, the man at arms,
0: Ian. <laughs> the masters of the Universe. <laughs> hey... First draft, Mm -hmm. February 20, Lucas completes his first draft for Revenge of the Jedi. The draft includes mention of the Galactic Empire's capital, a planet completely covered by cities, which Lucas names Had Abaddon.
1: Somehow even harder to wrap your head around than
0: Coruscant. This is Had Abaddon. The entire planet is a city. Man, that Rick Ollie
1: Twitter account calmed down after a little while, but it got a few laughs out of me for a little bit
0: there. <laughs> He's a good dude. He's a good dude. This one, I, I always find it interesting to think, especially in in these turbulent times, about how different Star Wars stories would be interpreted if they came out now. Mm-hmm. And this one is interesting. Vader confronts Leia. February 24th, Marvel Comics' Star Wars 48 Ships, cover date June, in the third law. Leia, C-3PO, R2-D2 come face-to-face with Darth Vader on the planet Araguru, which is great in any salad, (laughs) where it is unlawful for non-citizens to possess weapons and conversely unlawful for citizens to be unarmed. I don't know who, but someone would be angry about that these days. Oh my goodness.
1: YouTube would be going crazy. (laughs) Some section of YouTube would be going crazy.
0: Yeah, it's like I can't quite work out who and why, but I have no doubt. Not a huge fan of that depiction of Vader, by the way. It is brutal.
1: Yeah, the cape is whack. The eyepiece is whack.
0: Yeah, the white... It scales off. Yeah. Zero buys. Zero buys. What else you got on this one, Hors? Uh I've got
1: in March, National Public Radio begins broadcasting a 13-episode dramatization of Star Wars, directed by John Madden and scripted by Brian Daly. The drama is six and a half hours long and contains new and expanded sequences from the movie. Mark Hamill and Anthony Daniels reprise their role as Luke and C-3PO. Other actors include Perry King as Han Solo, and Sachs as Leia, Brock Peters as Darth Vader, and NPR listenership increases
0: 40%. That's Star Wars bump. Mm-hmm. Oof. Um... I haven't listened to this for many decades.
1: Yeah, it's been a while for me too.
0: It's always interesting, like who comes back to do the the voice the voicing.
1: Yeah, and I I mean I'm sure we'll cover it when the Empire version comes up. But like John Lithgow is is uh,
0: Yoda in that one. (laughs) I just imagine his face on the Mad Magazine cover. (laughs) <laughs> In hey,
1: so you oh, they've got a really nice poster, which I actually think is a really cool poster. I, I don't know how maybe this one hasn't been reissued as like a celebration exclusive or something. Um, but C-3PO standing at a mic stand like he's recording the radio mm. uh, drama with space behind him and stuff. It's really cool. But on the other hand, how – I mean – surely there's probably one out there that has, but how is there not a star Wars podcast that has used this as the basis for their podcast artwork?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just have to assume that they have. Yeah. I mean, as and like, and like, you've probably that, seen it tons of times and you just didn't realize. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, as I started speaking, I was like, surely there's one out there somewhere that has.
0: Surely, surely. I like this one. Bounty Hunter, March 4th. In the Star Wars comic strip, Goodwin and Williamson expand upon dialogue from Empire to concoct a story of Han Solo having a close call with a bounty hunter on the planet Ord Mandel. Dude, if they started talking about Ord Mandel every day in the newspaper, (laughs) check ya. So hyped. That, That life would be so good. And then I'd run out and play with my best friend, Paul Pfeiffer, and just have a great time.
1: I like um, I like the frog guy
0: in the third panel. Yeah, he's, um, he's spotted the rebels, and uh, he's very excited to do some bounty hunting. But my favorite part of this comic strip, Hawes, is the opening line as the Millennium Falcon lands. Luke says, looks a lot like Moss Isley on Tatooine, Han. And I feel like that line could have been like a great repeated trope through the Star Wars series <laughs> of films.
1: Anytime Luke lands somewhere.
0: No, anytime anyone lands anywhere. <laughs> like someone lands on Jakku, looks a lot like Moss Isley on Tatooine. But bigger and more empty. It's like a different version of I've got a bad feeling about this. You know, they land on Pasaana. Looks a lot like Tatooine. But bigger and filled with more dancers. In the Mandalorian, this is actually Tatooine.
1: Exactly the same size and filled with douchebags. Oh. <laughs> Come on. You, you left me. Come on, man. Come on. Dude. I'm sorry I went there. I know he's your Instagram BFF.
0: I can't wait to see Cad Bane in the...
1: Oh, oh, it cuts just as deep. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love the hint of him in the first season. Great stuff. Also on Tatooine. The 53rd Academy Awards. When the Academy Awards were on in the 80s, mm-hmm. big night on television. And 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 not now, like, I feel like people watch it cynically just to right. see sort of bad things that happen. But it was entertainment's night of nights. And for me, because, you know, it was the pre-video age, it was a chance to see bits of films. Oh yeah, because they'd always play the clips and stuff, right? Oh, so you always wanted like as many nominations as possible to get those little clips. Mm-hmm. I, I I I remember being a little kid and just like going, pff, 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 they need a recount. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, See,
1: when I was a kid, like the Emmys or the Golden Globes or the. Academy Awards never really excited me. Um, But then again, like, when I was old enough to sort of take that sort of thing in, it was the age of, like, the MTV Movie Awards. You know, that was my big event.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen an MTV Movie Awards. Really? No.
1: Uh, I mean, it's been forever since I've watched one, but... I remember really liking them as a kid. Maybe they do not hold up, though. Mm. Seem a bit
0: jovial for me.
1: Ah, you like something a little more structured and reverent of yes, film. Yes,
0: definitely. The Empire Strikes Back is nominated for four Academy Awards. Lucas and 20th Century Fox had submitted Ben Burtt's name along with Empire's sound team, but the Academy refuses to recognize sound designer as a credit.
1: <laughs> They're just crapping all over Star Wars' chances.
0: Very sad. But um, they did win Best Sound, Special Achievement Award for Visual Effects, and... Um... Didn't win ones like best art direction, so oh, didn't win best original score either.
1: How do you not? How
0: do you? How do you not win best original score when it includes? Come on. And the Imperial March. Ah.
1: Are you kidding me?
0: Recount. Recount. Um, I'm with you. April. Episode four. April 10th. Star Wars is re-released. Re-re-re-released. For the third time. Now with the extended title, episode four. In asterisk numbers. A New Hope. The release accidentally amidst C-3PO's line, the power beam holding the ship is coupled to the main reactor in seven locations. A power loss at one of the terminals will enable the ship to leave. Is that back now? I feel like we've had this discussion before.
1: Yeah, this is the second or third time that this line from C-3PO has come up in this book, and I still don't know if that's in the movie. All right,
0: burn it. Ah, this is a good one, whores. Drop, drop us a bit of NASA action.
1: April 12th, Columbia launches from Kennedy Space Center and becomes the first space shuttle to make a manned orbital orbital <laughs> test flight. That, Earth. that
0: sounded like, you know, when sometimes you get a Skype glitch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, orbiting Earth 37 times before, before returning to land at Edwards Air Force Base on April 14th. At NASA's invitation, Lucas watches Columbia's maiden flight. I was awed, Lucas said afterward. I stood a mile away when astronauts John John Young and Robert Crippen floated that 86-ton spacecraft to a touchdown as perfect as a dream come true. I had a lump in my throat just like everyone else. I like that quote from Lucas.
0: Damn straight. Love it.
1: Did you watch the uh, SpaceX
0: launch the other day? No. It was pretty neat. Okay. What's it doing up there?
1: I docked with the International Space
0: Station. Hot. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we've talked about space shuttles before, but would have loved to have seen one take off. Yeah, me too, buddy. They are neat. April 19th, Hayden Christensen, the teenage Anakin Skywalker, is born in Kuva, Canada. Coover, bro! <laughs> then, Hawes. Also in 1981,
1: naming Dengar. A bounty hunter named Zuckus is first mentioned in the early drafts of The Empire Strikes Back. Although Lucasfilm initially designates Zuckus as the bandaged-headed human bounty hunter, Kenner releases the character's action figure with the name Dengar and transfers the name Zuckus to the droid bounty hunter with the bulbous head and tarnished protocol droid body. And then they would later switch that around to before long.
0: Yeah, oh, that's why I was just... I was trying to, like... I'm like, and then it changed names again and I just got stuck in, like... That Skype jittering thing but inside my head only. hmm I was like follow him. He's the robot one. Right. So so okay, so Kenna named Dengar? Is that what that's saying? <coughs> sure sounds like it. Have a look at it. We've got we've got a picture here of the Kenna Dengar figure. And I don't know, if you could choose to be anyone in the Star Wars universe, it's not gonna be Dengar.
1: Yeah. My least favorite of the Empire Bounty Hunters, which I'm a big fan of.
0: Really? What what did you think about him being in um The Rise of Skywalker? I
1: I'm probably in the minority here, but I I thought it was a neat little detail to add to a visual dictionary. I liked it too. Like just like you've got this character in the background who is so weird looking and his color scheme is so similar, like to give him this weird backstory that is Dengar, who's gone through all these attempts to extend his lifespan. And it's like frozen in his face in this horrific fashion and all that. Like, I think it's such a neat idea and like, that's what I want out of visual dictionaries, not necessarily connecting, you know, them to previous characters all the time, but like the, the interesting little, Two paragraph story about these background characters is what I think is neat.
0: Mm, it's hard to work; it's a case by case thing because mm-hmm. you know I, I like you know a spicy meal now and then, yeah, but you know only now and then when it, when it hits me right. So, but yeah, I I, I like that one. What, what, what do you what do you think about a, a bit of Dengar in the Mandalorian season three?
1: I I hope they get them all back at some point i would love to see Forlom and zuckus and dengar bosk like bring them all back uh you know well ig11 was
0: well we we we've talked about it for so <laughs> long horse
1: i know and then you know they i'm sure you saw it on uh yours and my favorite titled show and all ta- of all time <laughs> disney gallery The Mandalorian, uh, when they talked about like sort of developing how he would move, like, man, dream come true type stuff, right there.
0: So sick. Uh, That show, um, my friend LOL, he had the perfect name for it. This is the way.
1: Yeah, man, that's great. I have a feeling, um, I I think that would be really cool. But I have a feeling that they gave it such a weird generic name because they're going to repurpose that for further...
0: Yeah, it's like their plan is to have a bunch of shows with a really terrible name.
1: Yeah, which doesn't make it any better. But (laughs) I think think that's because, you know, they've got all those Marvel shows in development. So I'm sure we'll be seeing like Disney Gallery, The Falcon and the Winter
0: Soldier. Well, Hawes, that brings us to the halfway point of 1981. Well, it does in the in the pages, but not in the year. We're at the end of the page. 1981's eighty-one's a, a, a two-pager but May is next. So should we, should we end it here and then do the next two pages as part two of our 1981 experience? I'd be down to do that. Okay, sweet. Well, thus concludes this uh, Patreon All Access episode. The, uh, the next episode that we'll record straight after this will be um, just on our Patreon feeds, which is just $3 a month. And you get tons and tons of bonus content. How can the good people of the internet track you down, Horsberg, up?
1: Uh I'm at Blue Harvest Pod on Twitter. And uh, you can find um, Blue Harvest on any of your podcast services. Get
0: serviced with Blue Harvest. And if you haven't checked it out already, Steel Wars, wherever you get podcasts, wherever you get serviced, and at Steel Wars on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And YouTube. Good old YouTube pause. You been on there ever? All the time. It's good stuff. Good stuff. If you want images that move with noise, they've got tons of it. Tons. Can't recommend it enough. YouTube.com. Check it out. Tell them I sent you. Imagine someone commented every comment they left.
1: Steel Wars sent me. Yeah. And it's just unlike
0: the CNN website.
1: <laughs> CNN, movie trailers that aren't even related to Star Wars.
0: Cooking uh, video shows.
1: Game. Yeah, cooking shows, video game playthroughs. All good. Uh, un- unboxings.
0: <laughs> the, those videos... Where you know, someone just squeezes something and people get relaxed by watching it. Oh, uh, uh, uh ASMR, yeah, all that good stuff. Just steel has sent me great. This website is amazing.
1: <laughs>
0: is it there, there's got to be more than one person working there, surely, to produce that many videos. <laughs> yeah, they got a big staff, it can't just be this YouTube. <laughs> whatever's may that force be with you see you guys
1: even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus